0: Welcome to an Atos podcast.
1: Hello, this is Dwayne Natwick, and welcome to Head Securely in the Clouds. Hello, and welcome to this episode of Head Securely in the Clouds. Uh, Today, we're going to discuss the impact of the cloud on security operations. And with me today is Amo Muthuru from Atos, Dan Gora from CloudReach and Atos Company, and Anton Chavakin from Google. Uh, so uh, I'll leave it to everybody. Uh, Anton, why don't you give a brief introduction of yourself and, uh, and your role at Google? Sure, that's
2: easy. I work for Office of the CISO at Google Cloud. That's an organization that's focused on research, advisory, guiding clients, and of course, providing internal insight on security as well. So uh, my probably one of my claims to fame is, of course, that I've been at Gartner uh, before I joined Google through a Chronicle acquisition. So I spent eight years as an analyst uh, having fun in various domains, including security operations, data security, uh, touching on other areas like clouds, cloud security, and even PCI compliance, but don't hold this one against
1: me. (laughs) All right. Thank you, Anton. Uh, Amo, how about yourself? Hello. Hi. Hi. Hello, Dwayne. Hello, hello team.
0: Uh, my name is Amo Mutharu. I'm from Atos. I, uh, I lead uh, cloud security, uh, within our cybersecurity business. Uh, working with clients and partners, and really helping uh, customers overcome the challenges around uh, adopting cloud securely, and uh, it's great to be on this
1: podcast. Thank you, Emil. Uh, Dan?
3: Thank you, Duane, and nice to meet you all. I'm Dan Gora, and I'm currently a cloud security practice and architect lead at CloudReach, an Atlas company. I've been around for like 12 years in the security consulting industries, so we we been around like for three of the big fours and uh, focus mostly on cloud security immigration advisory. So leading cloud security assessments and also enabling DevSecOps for customers.
1: Nice to meet you all. Thank you very much, Dan. And for those of you, if you're tuning into this podcast for the first time, I'm Dwayne Natwick, I'm the host of this podcast and I am also the uh, global cloud security tech lead uh, for uh, for Atos uh, in our cloud security group, uh, working with uh, with Amo and uh, the rest of the group in terms of security strategy, uh, security development, portfolio development, uh, as well as uh, working with customers uh, for uh, handling their managed cloud security needs. So. Thanks everybody for joining and uh, let's jump right in. Uh, as previously mentioned, you know the cloud and companies migrating to using more cloud services has changed the face of traditional security operations and the Security Operations Center or SOC. Uh, so Anton, uh, there's been this new category that everybody's been talking about of the modern SOC. Uh, would you be able to provide our audience with a quick definition of what that means and how cloud infrastructure has Changed or shaped this modern sock?
2: So I want to first gently push back. Uh, and maybe this is my Gartner past talking because when people hear a category, they sort of expect that there would be some kind of a new tool category to buy or a, a new market or a new four-letter acronym like CWPP or a new five-letter acronym, C-N-A-P-P or something. So I, I'm almost, at this point, I'm almost allergic to the word category because <laughs> I know that the next the next line, somebody says, and why do you analysts make so many categories? <laughs> so, And of course, I'm not an analyst anymore. As, as, as our podcast would say, I'm a reformed analyst so uh that means i don't get to make categories but with that somewhat long intro uh, i wanted to say that when we thought we i first started talking about a modern sock probably around 2016 in a gartner paper that had modern sock i don't think it was in the title but kind of in the abstract we just felt like we need to modernize the concept of a sock because uh, when i was an analyst i saw a lot of organizations uh build security operations centers, say in 2016, 17, using the absolute best insight of 2002. Uh, Back in 2002, there was a really good paper written by somebody from, please don't laugh, ArcSight. And it was actually really cool for 2002. It was innovative, it was smart, it was well-written. And in 2016, 17, I've seen a lot of socks that consciously or unconsciously just follow the same blueprint. But my impression was that in 2016, it's like a decade and a half since that paper was written. So they're kind of using 15 year old, best but 15 year old insight to build a SOC. And I started being curious, so maybe they're right. Maybe nothing changed. Maybe maybe, maybe the best SOC advice from 2002 is perfectly applicable. But my intuition, my analyst intuition was telling me that it's not the case. Some things clearly should survive, but some things probably didn't survive. So I, I wanted to call the modern SOC is just kind of a dictionary, dictionary name, not a category. But how I would build a SOC if I'm not constrained by the best 2002 had to offer, and that's how the whole concept um, originated in the in, in the very first Gartner paper that we, that we wrote on this. As I said in 2016, we did talk about how to plan, establish, and operate a modern SOC. So it wasn't meant to be a category, and it wasn't meant to be a, a kind of a, something to buy. And then actually later, work after I left Gartner in 2021. Did put modern SOC in the in the paper title, so so it kind of became almost a concept. But let me get to the specifics. When I looked at the security operations center, I realized that maybe in two thousand two, almost nobody did any hunting. Threat intelligence was barely used, and a lot of activities were very much reminiscent of a knock or help desk, where people see, oh, alert, alert, okay, get a shovel ready, dig, 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 dig. What happened? Ah, this happened fix it people run around in circles fix things they're fixed okay we're great and then things continue so it was very much a classic SOC process but is this life today when infrastructure changes every hour when threats change when businesses change you probably wouldn't live in the world of you know dealing with slammer and blaster worms of the early 2000s so the modern SOC is a SOC that works for the modern enterprise, whether it's a cloud native enterprise or just a modern organization that's hybrid, remote workforce, a lot of cloud, a lot of SaaS, software as a service, much more agile business, much more rapid IT. DevOps, uh, meaning that IT has modernized where there's no I'm a system admin, you're a developer, we hate each other, but instead there is DevOps where it's the converged function, or even I, I, I'm i not a big fan of DevOpsSec or DevSecOps acronym, but to me, it means that security works well with the previous group. So how do you make SOC well run in that reality? And the SOC that can run in that reality is a modern SOC. So a couple of people, actually very smart people, have looked at all this and said, SOC's dead. There's no modern SOC. SOC needs to kap- go kaput and disappear. And uh, back in 2018, somebody from Netflix wrote this very famous paper about running Sockless, And it was really well written and it described a very modern detection and response operation. To me, when I read the paper, I thought, wow, that's modern (laughs) SOC. And of course, I didn't want to argue with them that they would say, no, 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 it's not a SOC. But to me, that's modern SOC. That's security operations with a lot of engineering with a lot of development, with very agile processes, there's a lot of automation, that's modern SOC. That's probably one of the best examples that you can look, uh, at least before we ra- we wrote our Autonomic Security Operations Paper here at Google, that you can read up on the modern detection response operation that I would call a modern SOC. So let me stop rambling. And uh, I didn't provide a definition, because the point is that SOC that operates in modern realities is in the modern SOC. There's no you know, secret definition that
1: only Anton knows. No, of course, yeah, very, very insightful uh, and uh, and and good, great information. Amo, uh, let me shift to you from uh, the perspective of a managed security service provider uh, with with what what we say is sixteen socks across the world. Uh, how does uh, does this uh, this concept of the modern sock and, cl- and cloud shape or adjust how Atos supports customers? Uh, within within the managed security services area.
0: yeah, um, I think um, I think first of all, there's a bit of confession time, isn't there? We need to have I think this industry around stock and seam has had a bit of a bad uh, uh, name for itself of the you know oh, under delivering on the promise promise has historically been the the trend. And I think um, you know I, I think organizations are a bit more savvy now. Uh, and I think whenever, you know, we see um, customers who are looking at, you know, uh, modern operations of, and the SOC, I think the key driver for them is really understanding what the business value is going to be and how quickly they can, they can uh, see that as well. Uh, and I think one of the things that I see cloud has enabled uh, or the cloud technologies has enabled is this, um, you know, I guess, acceleration. Uh, that the sock and seam, uh ecosystem needed in order to really be uh, something that can add business value, can uh, grow with the business and be as flexible as, as it needs to be. I think gone are the days when you know we used, used to have big databases just throwing loads of logs and then you know some uh, crudely written rules which would try and uh, surface something of interest to to have a look at. Um, so you know I think the the use of these technologies really have impacted I think our SOC can operate now in a number of ways. I think scalability is a big thing that it's enabled uh, not just for service providers such as us in order to accommodate the growing data uh, deluge uh, that, that's out there now. I think from a customer's perspective they always used to be a ceiling around. You know how many logs we can we throw at it. I think there's still an argument to understand. You know, are we giving, are we sharing the right information as opposed to sharing everything? And that's an important, uh, a very business and a you know um, a data-driven uh, decision that you need to understand. But I think the scalability uh, uh, that that cloud provides is is an important. I also think that with this uh, cloud-like Architecture, I think flexibility and, and the ability to pull in more information in a more agile way is certainly a, a great um, addition and something that we do see uh, a modern SOC, you know, consisting in you know, the ability to ingest through API and other sort of means, as well as make more traditional, uh, you know, log collection and other, other sort of means is is a really um, important way to, you know, be able to handle this hybrid, you um, Organization that you you now have, where you know there is uh, a move to the cloud, but there will always be some elements that will that will be outside of the cloud, and 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 a modern SOC should be able to cope with both of those and not just focus on one. Yeah, um, yeah. and I think one one of the other things I was thinking about was um, when I, when I thought about this question was, you know, that there is much more collaboration between service providers and customers now than there used to be. I think one of the days where you know, the service provider was just given a, a scope and just did it and, and uh, there was a phone call if there was a problem. I think now what we see, especially with this DevOps environment, you're getting a lot more intelligent collaboration between the customers and the partners and, and other third parties involved in that in order to effectively manage this sort of uh, a constantly changing uh, environment that, that is, is out there. So I think that those, those are are some of the key things. The final one i I'd just point out is really from a service provider, the the efficiency that we can get from, uh, you know, using cloud scale is is, is fantastic. And, and, you know, the ability to surface new ways to detect, new ways to integrate, uh, really bringing some of that value to customers much sooner than uh, was possible in the past. Um, You know, I I would say, you know, these are the Key things that I can think of when it comes to how it's transformed uh, what we do for our customers.
2: I just want to confirm one point about better working with a service provider. So this was my the bane of my existence at Gartner when uh, people really did treat an MSSP as kind of a I don't know what's the European analogy like a Coke machine where they throw money in there and the Coca Cola comes out. Yes. So they think. I'm gonna throw money in my MSS and security would can of security would come tumbling out and I'll grab it and I'm secure. And so that's exactly the model they assumed. And it, it just ends in a disaster.
1: Yeah.
2: And and so I tried using I tried avoiding using the dreaded over outsourcing, because when people think outsourcing, sometimes they think that. So I tried using the term jointly operating or joint ops. And yes, this acronym did not stick. So <laughs> it wouldn't <laughs> sound cool if you use it, but Uh, when I meant that you really do operate jointly with the MSSP and that's the only model that works. And if you try to pretend you pushed security to them in exchange for money, it would end well. It would end badly. And it just universally ends badly if that's the assumption by a client. So cloud doesn't really change that. But to me, cloud to me enhances, it makes the good model better and the bad model worse. (laughs) So it's kind of an amplifier of that. (laughs) <laughs> so if if you operate in the cloud you do want to have probably joint custody of some of the controls your engineers need to be make changes quickly but mss engineers need to be able to make changes quickly to protect you so it's kind of interesting how cloud just amplified the challenges and the advantages in, from the past i don't yeah. know new thought yeah.
1: maybe yeah de- definitely yeah definitely there's there's like you said that joint custody and there's definitely a a uh, a pro and con to it all right I, Uh, one of the previous podcasts we talked about uh, talked about the uh, the difference in security in a on-premises type of, you know, you've got the physical control over your data center versus versus the cloud and the things that you have to consider. So that's definitely something, uh, you know, something that that is, it's not all, all or, all or nothing in a lot of cases, there's, there's pros and cons that you got away and make sure that you're uh, that you're handling Dan, uh, you know, we, we, uh, Amo and Anton both both mentioned things about development and architecture. Uh, you coming from that that security architecture type of world, what are some of the considerations from from that kind of front end uh, development standpoint? Uh, do you uh, take into account and think of that a customer needs to consider uh, in regards to the overall security operations once a uh, you know once you've migrated to the cloud?
3: Yeah, absolutely. Thank you, Dwayne. So when I was thinking about the, the question, I would like to break it down into three areas for consideration. So, one is to think about designing for a flexible and a scalable cloud security architecture that adapts to the changing threats of the, the ever changing threat landscape and also the business needs. So, in the end, a cloud security architecture needs to align with organizational policies and also comply with external requirements to efficiently operate and to enable the business. And what we can do here is to ensure that you have set a secure configuration uh, and set up the relevant guardrails for cloud infrastructure. So, one thing you can do here is to enable auditing and logging for your cloud services and also ingest into your SIM and also enable cloud native threat detection. So in Google, you can use Google Cloud Security Command Center or also Microsoft Defender for Cloud in in, in the Microsoft world, but actually focusing on we call like the zero trust model. So make sure you have strong network access controls in place, including multi-factor authentication, network segmentation, and really focusing on the identity protection. One great thing you can actually use here is to yeah, the Google Security Foundations Blueprint to set up that secure configuration baseline and actually leverage that in a, in a, in a DevOps SRE led way. The other bit is to understand your attack surface and actually relevant threats around your, your cloud. And that is really a key component is threat modeling. And that's actually also something we really work in, in, in as part of our day-to-day work is to identify relevant tactics, techniques, and procedures using relevant uh, frameworks like Mitra attack. But at the same time, also consider the shared responsibility model around your threats. So there's no need to to threat model physical threats because they're not relevant, but even more if it's more platform or software as a service. The second bit is more around designing for enhanced visibility and monitoring. So things like using advanced analytics and machine learning to really focus on improving your visibility and detection at cloud scale. And to one side to ensure that you collect logs, but not actually not just logs, but network telemetry and also endpoint signals and feed them into your SIM. And actually not just uh, collect, but enrich the log data with signals uh, from relevant enterprise assets, including APIs, especially ones that are relevant for critical systems like payment system or the ones you need to comply to. And the third bit is to leverage that automation and orchestration via like a SOAR solution to enhance your threat detection and response. So one thing I would usually recommend as part of our experience is like, if you have the choice, if you're not looked in, opt for the more cloud native uh, SaaS based solution for SOAR, That's more future proof, and then also, and would actually like to to quote Anton, your your ASO paper here, to really adopt that engineering mindset for your security operations. So having this DevOps SRE led approach to focusing on eliminating repetitive tasks and what we call the the toil. Uh, in, in security operations, focusing on spending more time for your SOC analyst on automation and actually less time on repetitive tasks. And what you can use with a SOAR is to really use those playbooks to trigger automate response actions like auto-closing alerts or streamlining detection. So as I mentioned, just like those three areas, so designed for flexible and scalable architecture to align with business needs, then also designed for enhanced visibility and monitoring and also leverage secure automation orchestrations with a source solutions are what I would say the the crucial considerations for a cloud security architecture.
2: By the way, <clears throat> I wanted to add mo- one minor bit to this. Uh, from all the things you mentioned, there's one that I'm I've been recently kind of obsessed about, and that's the list of cloud threats that are realistic and kind of the whole f- first step threat assessment. I've I've met people who. Uh, you know, willing to violently argue about whether cloud threats are the same threats as on-premise, just aim the cloud environments, or the threats are completely different. And I've had, and then, and recently, I've I've met the third camp, namely that the question doesn't matter. And uh, it, it to me is is very surprising that we still have a debate about this, but we still do. So if you, if I'm a consultant and I meet the client and I say, Hey, step one, get the threats right. I actually don't know myself what the right threats are. Like if you look at some of the first hand 1st party data sources, I don't know, Threat Horizon report that we publish, a few other cloud focused threat reports, you'd pretty much just see crypto miners. (laughs) Well, you would be like 86% of all badness is crypto miners. Great. But is this really the only thing you need to care about? Probably not. Uh, And then on the other hand, If you go look from first principles, some people, especially in Europe, seem to obsess about like insiders on the CSP side. And it's like stuff that sort of like doesn't happen all that much. So what is the way to get to a realistic threat model to your cloud environment? I still don't know the answer and I I want to know it. And I've been trying to get to it, but I still don't think I know it. So I'd love a quick discussion from, from everybody. Like how do I get to the realistic cloud threats that threaten my cloud environment?
0: Maybe I could share some of my thoughts on that. Um, I I think one of the things that uh, is very dependent is is, is kind of how you're using the cloud. That will shape the kind of threats that you're likely to see. I think we, uh, misconfigurations is probably the source of, you know, a lot of these things, even crypto mining is down to something being, Yeah, hijacked as a result of something being misconfigured um and i think that a lot of these things uh can be prevented uh with you know the right hygiene the right process you know the right governance uh, etc um i have seen a few things um Around TTPs that are, uh, you know, the, the famous frameworks, the MITRE uh, attack frameworks, and it there's, there's yep. specific ones around, yeah, the cloud uh, providers that, that, that detail out, you know, how this could play out in a cloud environment. And I, and I think that's the closest that I've seen to understanding kind of how a problem could develop uh, beyond, you know, something being hijacked and where it could lead to as a result of that. Uh, but I think, you know, ultimately it's, it's you know, I don't think there's an, a one answer fits all solution. I think it's a case of belts and braces, but really understanding how you use the cloud is the most important part. Because unless you understand, you can't protect. Uh, and yet you, you won't see, you won't can't protect, you can't put the right controls in, you can't put the right checks and governance in. Um, and I think for me, that that's really the, the important problem. But the problem with that is, I guess, you know, a lot of customers uh, and organisations, um, you know, struggle to understand really how the cloud is being used, um, yeah. and that's where you know a lot of the uh, uh, people like us, as well as you know, solutions out there, will help surface some of the information about well, this this is the reality of what's happening out there today, uh, and, and how we can you know help to bring some control around that and put some a policies in place that, that can help you use it in a, in a, in a more uh, um, uh, governed manner.
2: So I guess the insight, the, the big insight from this is that you you really should not talk about what threatens your cloud unless you first think, how do you use cloud? Because if I have if I am a, an extreme lift and shifter, I just copy my service from a data center to the cloud, my threats are the same because my IT is the same and everything's the same. It's just located elsewhere. But if I'm a cloud native and you try telling me that, oh my, your Windows machines may be infected by viruses, and then be like, "What are you talking about? I'm using microservices. There's none of the stuff you're, you're describing." So, so I guess usage predates threats in this case, right? Is the yes, insight. absolutely. Uh, but, it might be
0: it does, yes, yeah.
3: Yeah, and just also extend also what Amul said is really focusing on your industry and also you, you, the business that you're in, mm-hmm. understand the relevant attack surface, as mentioned, like infrastructure platform or software as a service and having like a, a threat library. So we just mentioned like miter Attack has released an IS based cloud metrics that is very helpful for lift and shift migrations. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. actually there's also very specific ones that you actually need to get some reports on in, in, in detail. But we really having that established threat library in place that is relevant to your organization will help you set up for success. I would say, makes
1: sense. Yeah, very, very good. Well, let's um, let's move real quick into uh, kind of our last question here uh, today. Um, Anton, I'll, I'll, I'll bring this to you first, and I'll bring this to the to the rest of the group, uh, Emma and uh, Dan, to also answer, uh, and then we'll get a nice a nice list here for everybody. Hopefully, uh, what are two, we kind of maybe hit on some of these uh, in our conversation, but what are two of the most important considerations that a company should understand in terms of running security operations for a cloud or hybrid infrastructure? Kind of goes along what we were just talking about in terms of your threats and understanding your threats and things in both types of infrastructure. So uh, what are your thoughts there, Anton? So I had a
2: presentation on this somewhere and um, it was kind of mostly meant to Inform and enlighten the more traditional SOC about how to cloud. So basically, like teaching cloud to a SOC manager. And and since you're asking for like a couple of uh, a, a pithy points, uh, the 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 one pithy point I, I made in that presentation I want to repeat here is that uh, I, I've said at the end, hey, if you remember one thing from this presentation, you should probably learn IIM. And I felt like I'm giving this advice, but historically I thought identity and access management is a deathly boring area and i i really don't want to learn iam but you really do need to learn iam <laughs> because uh, so much of your life of your success of your security oh my god i'm talking like a tele- televangelist I'm, like your life success is connected to iam but it kind of is in the cloud and 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 knowing how we do iam versus how the other two guys do I am how Amazon does I am how Azure does I am and where the you may, you would make mistakes and wh- who gets access to what. Ultimately, without it, you really can't sock, you can't DNR, you can't mm-hmm. do detection because if you don't know the lay of the land of identities and privileges in the cloud, the whole the whole thing would look like you're trying to, you know, do something mundane but on Mars. It would just not look. The reality would not match. But mm-hmm. if you do understand roughly how privileges, access rights, resources, projects uh, and all that other terms in, in terms of identity access operate in your chosen cloud or clouds, your SOC experience would have a much better shot at detecting the relevant threats and actually getting the telemetry. So there may be many other things, but I I, I want to obsess about this one and because it was also difficult for me personally, because I was like, I don't want to learn. I am. I am. It's boring. I am. It's about password changes. And then people told me, Anton, you're stupid. <laughs> no, <laughs> you really you really shouldn't say those things because they're wrong. And and there's a huge universe of things and it's a very different universe in the cloud. And I, I now fully embrace that view is that you would want to understand this. Sure. There are other things like. The threat model, probably number two would be what we discussed a few minutes ago about the threats. Because ultimately, if if I am the traditional stock manager and I'm stuck and I'm, I'm handed cloud on a platter and I'm told, hey, do this too, include it in your scope mission, uh, I probably want to know, okay, but what kind of badness I should watch for? Like, what are the threats? So the threat question comes up right away. And I would leave it to those two i am lay of the land mechanics principles technologies and trying to get as close as possible to an answer about what are my cloud threats these are my two
1: very good how about you ammo what are your thoughts
0: i i can uh, i can just feel some of my colleagues who are working out identity practice just sort of <laughs> hearing what you're saying. That I know they're doing,
1: they're doing <laughs> the wave. They're doing the wave now.
0: They're, they're, waiting, they're waiting years for identity to just rise to the very top. <laughs> but you know, it, it's funny. Uh, also it, it's deadly serious. Identity is, is is a serious thing when it comes to the cloud. And, and, and I fully agree with what you're saying. I guess if I had to choose two, um, maybe the ones that I would choose are <clears throat> One that's really important, and I've you know, heard it from the very start, early days of cloud security, and it's all about visibility. You know, you can't you can't protect what you can't see. You can't, uh, you know, do threat models against you, something you can't see. So visibility is absolutely key. Uh, the good news is that you know cloud gives you really good visibility. You know that the, the control plane, the management planes, are all connected. Um, but you know you need to be you need to know about those first of all. Uh, and you need to be able to hook into those, um, but, you know, that, just, that might be your cloud environment, but, you know, most organizations will have some kind of a hybrid architecture, uh, you know, having that visibility, not just in your cloud environment, but all your environments, wherever they may be across your enterprise, your, your, your data center, your, um, your, your rooms, uh, machine rooms, et cetera it is a really important uh, part of, uh, you know, um, what an organization should should think about around hybrid infrastructure. So I think visibility is important, uh, and especially when you start thinking about SaaS, uh, as a service models, you know, these are, you know, users developing things and accessing things straight through browsers uh um and now you know no COVID environments you know wh- what is going on behind that as well you know all of these uh you know fantastic business enablers bring on their own challenges around uh you know how does an organization uh get visibility and, and uh, a sense of control around some of those um and then the other one um might might be a bit uh controversial but i i also think um Most organizations will uh, benefit from having some kind of framework to adopt when it comes to a cloud security strategy. Um, One of the things that we've done through our dialogue with customers is is thought about how can we make cloud security a bit more simple? How do you think about the right process steps you need to follow in order to at least have an approach um, that you can adopt? And we, we thought about it in, in, in a number of ways. We came down with you know, three simple steps, prevent, protect, preserve. Uh, and, and what that is, is simply um, uh, an approach that you can you can adopt to really think about your cloud security and anything you're doing in the cloud uh, in, a, in a very cyclical fashion that will help you. And, and I, when I was thinking about this first, um, I was thinking about healthcare actually. And I was thinking, well, you know, prevention is all we're always told by doctors, prevention is better than cure, you know, living a healthy uh, lifestyle, you know, uh, eating well, all those sort of things. You you want to prevent as much as you can uh, from occurring, minimize the attack service, you know, minimize the misconfigurations, etc. So I think you know, prevention in this context is very important. So having that framework with prevention at the very beginning is is important. Then I was thinking about well. Protect, protect is kind of, if I use the healthcare analogy again, is a bit like having medical insurance. You know, you you know, you can't protect, prevent all risks all problems healthy. You know, there's gonna be a problem at some point. Have you put the right protections in place? Have you got a health insurance policy? Have you got cyber insurance policy? You know, because you wanna minimize the impact of a, a problem when it does occur, because you know, that, that's what will, will really hurt. So that you know, that's the, the, prevent, uh, the protect part. And then the preserve part, is really about um, you know having regular checks. You know, is everything working as you expected? You know, are you seeing the desired re- results? You know, the, the regular health check in this case, you know, seeing the doctor just to you know uh, uh, you know get get a forewarning of something that might be a problem in the future. You know, the same cyber analogy. You know, you know, minimize the risk by you know doing those posture analysis, doing those checks, and and that compliance review to. So that you can understand really where you are now, where you think you should be, and you know, is there a delta, and how do you close that gap? So, you know, for me, the prevent, protect, and preserve as a framework really helps customers understand uh, and more of an end-to-end approach. And I think that those are things that are
1: really useful for uh, for customers who are you know, on that journey. Yeah, thanks, Emma. Uh, Dan, how about how about you? What are a couple of uh, closing points and considerations that customer that uh, that Companies can take into account.
3: Absolutely. So I would also say, you know, what would have been said also by Anton, I'm really focusing on on those basics. So first of all, understand your security posture. So you know, prevent, protect, preserve, and how this actually aligns with your business model, with your security strategy, and also having the skill, people and streamlined process in place that is aligned with your cloud service model. So if you have IS, if you have platform as a service, if you have software as a service, so th- those are going to be crucial. But and also actually I'd uh, like to add this, what I mentioned earlier is this engineering mindset for your security operations. So having DevOps and SRE led approach to threat management and detection, and that can be done using creating automation detection rules in, in uh, managed code repositories and deploy those rules and use cases in an integrated CICD workflow that you can actually then in turn apply Across your hybrid cloud infrastructure, so across your EDRs, your Sim, your source, mm-hmm. and make sure you get actually also what 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 Amo said is really getting that visibility in place to enhance your detection. And it's actually then in the second bit that we'll say is is the automation piece. So of course, always people and process come first, but actually want to improve the efficiency in order to drive uh, right out uh, business value as part of your your threat detection response program. So what you can do here is leveraging AI machine learning to get this visibility and also leverage cloud native security solutions like a source solution to improve the efficiency of your security operations and focusing in the end really reducing the toil or those low value repetitive tasks and having your, your time spent by your SOC engineers analysts doing actually automation work and improving the efficiency for for that purpose so really focusing both on the, the, the fundamentals, the security posture, but then also adopting an engineering mindset and then actually leveraging automation to increase your visibility.
1: Yeah.
2: I think the quote, uh, somebody reminded me of the quote, which I ended, up, ended up being the quote from me, that you can't ops your way to success in this area, you have to dev your way to success. You, you almost, <laughs> if, you, if you squeeze the inefficiencies out of your operation, you'd be faster by 10% every time. But you would not get to 10x faster. And so, if you, if you, you know, I don't know, say you're gonna whip your SOC analysts, so you're gonna like motivate them, or you're gonna do whatever. But you would focus only on the ops part. You would never be good enough. It, it would not cut. It would not cut it. And we know it. Other cloud natives know it. But many of the traditional enterprises are still now learning that, hey, if we squeeze inefficiencies out of my SOC operations, maybe I can't, I can make it. But the answer is you can't really. You you really need to dev it as opposed to opposite. Yeah,
1: that's Absolutely. a re- really really good point and and uh, to you know to use uh use AMO's, uh healthcare analogy. You know, uh, preventative preventative care isn't always comfortable, <laughs> but it's necessary. <laughs> so so those are always always things always things you got to think about even from a security standpoint. It might it's not it, it Moving to uh, to those modern dev uh, and se- and security operations, it's it's uh, it's a big it's a big organizational change in mindset and a big and and it's not something that's comfortable, uh, but uh, but understanding uh, what needs to be done, understanding those inefficiencies, I think are are a big you know a a big first step uh, f- from uh, from my view, uh, and then wait you know. It, the, the first step is admitting you have a problem, <laughs> <So>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. but yeah, uh, with, with that being said, you know, we're, uh, coming close to time here and I want to thank, uh, Anton, Amo, and Dan for joining me today and, uh, and providing your, uh, great insights and experience. Uh, so I, and hope to have you again on future episodes. So uh, thanks, everybody. And uh, until next time, uh, keep your head securely in the clouds and, uh, and work on those, uh, those new modern security operations. Thanks, everybody.
0: Thanks.
2: Thank you.
1: Stay tuned for more insights from Atos.